Welcome in lacrosse fans to the Utah Lax Report. I'm your host Tim Haslam. In the week two boys coaches polls presented by Vessel Kitchen, Corner Canyon and Park City remain number one and number two. Farmington jumped to the number three spot with Olympus taking the number four spot. In the girls poll, Park City and Brighton remain the top two teams with Harriman and Alta taking number three and number four. You can see the rest of the top ten on the site utahlaxreport.substack.com. My guest today is Walker Bateman. Walker and I went to Highland and played together. He is a year older and showed us younger guys what it meant to play lacrosse. I look up to Walker in a lot of ways, and I'm excited to share the, his story for those of you who don't know it. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and be sure to leave a rating. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Walker. How are you? Oh, doing great, Tim. Thanks for taking the time to pick my feeble brain. Been kind of excited about us uh, leading up to it. Good. You know, I, I put out a question on Instagram a, a couple of weeks ago for people to respond to, you know, who they wanted to see on the podcast. And you were the overwhelming favorite. Oh, God. I, I know you can't see me, but I'm blushing. Or maybe you can't see me, but <laughs> I think I, maybe I've stepped on enough toes to get my way up there. It's, uh, it's been a journey. It was between you and Paul Rabel, and I, I only had your phone number. So <laughs> I'm sure you could hit him up on Twitter or something. He's, you know, his podcast is a little more popular, so. Yeah, maybe as a stepping stone, maybe I can get on his one day. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, no, no. Let's, let's, let's start from the beginning. You know, when did you start playing lacrosse? Organized lacrosse the, after my eighth grade year. I always had, it's like, a couple sticks in my backyard. Grew up playing a lot of roller hockey. But my older brother, Judd, kind of played, you know, hippie hacky sack in the park with a couple guys in the sticks uh, before the Highland days. And then he went up and played on a team called, they called themselves Toulouse. With you know the Zuckerman and Marty Salado, Brian, you know Blodgett, all these guys kind of transplants people that moved here from the East Coast, and they would I'd go watch them play when I was younger. I uh, usually just screwing around the stadium. They would sneak into Rice Stadium somehow and be playing on the turf there. I'd go down. They would play at Highland Stadium, and you know they'd play guys like Air Force, BYU, CSU, anyone who kind of come through. Uh, and these guys, I think Drew Searle even snuck on or was playing there for a while, at like sixteen or seventeen. So I was I'd go watching that, and then. You know, I got to Highland, I was playing hockey and football and baseball never stuck with me. It didn't take. And so I went on and a lot of neighborhood guys were playing at Highland. So just jumped on and it was amazing playing Highland. We had one of the greatest coaches ever, I think, uh, in a sense. He was like the Phil Jackson of coaching back in the day because we had all these football players at Highland. You know, we had 40, 50 guys back in the day and just, you know, usually psychotic football players, hard hitting guys. And then we'd come to lacrosse season and he would just kind of zen everyone down and for the most part, try to calm us down and made it fun. That was what I loved. I eventually quit football my senior year. I think it was kind of like, well, not, you're not making it fun. You know, like the sports can also be fun. So that's what I loved about lacrosse. Like, yeah, it's intense and hit hard hitting action, all this, but I don't want to be screamed at uh, and just made run sprints because I forgot my lifting shorts or, you know, something like that. So yeah, I, I started Highland and, and, you know, believe it or not, Highland was a powerhouse for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and and for the people out there, I also went to Highland and, and we played together. I uh, honestly, Walker, I actually owe all of this to you. I vividly remember sitting in the commons on a on a bench at oh, lunch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like we do, you know, and, and you came over to Paul Jones and you yep. said, hey, Paul, you know, this is probably January or February of the year 2000. You said, hey, Paul, are you, you're, you signed up for lacrosse, right? And Paul goes, oh, yeah, of course I have, you know, and 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 you you turned to Mark Hepworth and, and he said, Hey Mark, have, have you signed up for lacrosse? And he goes, Yeah, I have. And and then Mark Hepworth said to me, Tim, you should come play lacrosse. You'd be good at defense. 
perfect. And I said, okay. The rest is history. <laughs> Paul Jones actually was one of the first guys I knew who played. Uh, he's your age. And he actually went back to Maryland and played on a team kind of younger before I did with, I think Mason Goodham has got to be the coach. I mean, back then it was one or two people and yeah. Mason took a team of those guys. I was like, wow, oh, you went to Maryland to play lacrosse with DC. And yeah, so Paul played real early. Paul was real, real good at a young age. And then where he stopped kind of really caring <laughs> as, I, as it comes along. His older brother actually played too. Clay was a big, big lacrosse yep. guy. Yep. And so there were, I mean, there were come to find out there were 10, 11, 12 freshmen that year who, who ended up playing lacrosse, all, all good friends. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, it all started with you. I, I went down to Team Gear International at the basement of Cottonwood Mall. <laughs> okay, yeah. And bought a yeah, STX 6000 aluminum mm-hmm. uh, with the solid, the, you know, the heads, the defensive heads at the time so, were just solid. They weren't. So, yeah. Well, I mean, for, you know, the beginner guys, Tim, yeah. there, for, there was the edge. The edge was <laughs> out and there was a couple that were out. But, you know, as, as you want to just start it, you buy that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that ultra power. Because it was the cheapest, right? Sure. Now, you didn't know. You didn't know for sure. Yeah, you're like, am I going to stick with this? Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's how it all started, and you know, stuck with it. Obviously, your your senior year, my junior year. To be very clear, I didn't play a lot, and so <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you were there. You're part of the team. I was. I was a yeah. solid bench warmer. Which I, look totally cool, right? You, you got to yeah. have them on the team. You got to have social yeah. cross players. You got to have people who are are warm bodies. And that was me, and I'm totally cool with it. But uh, you know, your senior year, we we went undefeated. To be honest, uh, all season, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. The very first games though we played were at the B Digger tournament. Yep, and then it actually got re- snowed out the final day, so we played Judge in inside the Utah bubble, the old AstroTurf bubble. That's right. And and in that in one of those games, I'm, I'm I want to say it was being, but so I played defense, and I was on the left side in this particular game. Andrew Olson who was your age and yeah. was playing in the middle. And, you know, he went on to play at Air Force. Mm-hmm. He, he broke a kid's arm right in front of me. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> there was many a time. I mean, gave guys concussions, black eyes, broke, he broke a kid's jaw. Yeah. Uh, legally, of course. I mean, yeah. legally, yeah. I think. And I'll always remember that. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Just the kid's arm just dangling. Very um, Highland. Right. But, you know, we won that tournament and that was kind of the beginning of like, oh, wow, we might have something here. All right. Absolutely. You know, and, and went down, you know, went through the, the league for those who are listening, who are older, you know, playing at Judge when it was grass and had the trees on the West. Oh, behind it. Great, great stadium. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent venue. I'll never forget from that game, you know, a player, it was two midfielders playing up top, passing together and he passed it and it was a little short. And the Judge player actually just put his feet together and caught the ball with his feet. <laughs> and then scooped it up. It's one, way to, it's one way to do it. I'll never forget that either. It was incredible. But then, you know, get to get to the playoffs and, and that same judge team, you know, to be honest, they locked you off and, and that was the end of it. Right. And then uh, another player was a uh, real solid on our team, Scott Lawler. Of course, you know, back then the football coach had quite a reign over his kids. It was making him and Andrew do track and uh, football lifting during the season. I remember getting so frustrated all year because they were doing heavy squats and cleans and come limping to games. What are you, are you doing? We got to play. And I don't know, you know, the football, they make us, they make us. Now, that's another thing I couldn't stand about football. I was like, you guys are making them. And he tore like his hip flexor and couldn't even run that game. So I was like, oh, this is great. Or, you know, kind of lock me off. He's hobbled. Yeah. And yeah. And then uh, now we're tears in the parking lot <laughs> after the game. Lawler, yeah. uh, Lawler went on to play at BYU as well. I, I believe mm-hmm. he's, I believe he lives in Great Britain working for Amazon. Oh, he's back. He's back, oh. baby. Yeah, he's, he's in holiday. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's back. We're trying to get him back into pickup. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. What, what are some, you know, a couple memories there. What are some of the other memories that stood out to you with your time at Highland? Just, I mean, I think just having the most fun possible. I mean, we would literally be playing. I remember we're playing Brighton at halftime when you know, we're up by quite a bit and we're, we're we start break out of hacky sack. We start hacky sacking at halftime and you know, coaching you know, or, you know, before, and you know, we look over and the Brighton kids are just looking like, what the, you know, they're going through what they can do and we're just hacky sacking and go on to play great. And it's one thing that Mark always made. It was like, let's have fun. You know, like obviously with play lacrosse and all that. And, you know, a day before we're going to play Waterford, we play ultimate Frisbee instead of practicing. And, you know, it, had its pluses minuses. Sometimes it was great when we get going and go to flow and win. But other times we'd get out coached a lot. You know, we'd go play Judge and Dave Allen and Drew Searle. We, you know, we'd beat them through the regular season. You saw like, we're great in the regular season. And then they'd go, wait, okay, let's do this, this, and this, and we'll stop them. And they, they had coaching that <laughs> had some stability behind it. And so we'd always lose in the end, which, you know, is, shows that, you know, good coaching can kind of get involved in that. But so I think just the fun, like the friendship of it, you know, we, my friend, Simon Larson, you know, rest his soul. He, uh, we came up, we were day before the beat digger, I think, cause it was in the beginning of the season and it just snowed and we were all showing up to practice and he rolled up and was like, ah, practice is canceled. I was like, our coach hadn't got there yet. And I was like, what's well, practice is canceled. Like, yeah, I'm going up to Brighton. You know, we're going to go to Gypsum Rails, whatever. Told everyone to go home. <laughs> Me and Andrew and Scott, you know, the few people that were like, you know, I'm sure you guys were there. Like, I guess we'll go home and just cancel practice. You know, and then Mark showed up, you know, I was like, what the hell? So Plus, it was a lot of fun things. So memories like that, it was a lot of fun. And competing, and, you know, you could play against guys, judge, and then we'd go play Team Utah. So those were the days there was only kind of one club team. So in the summer, uh, every summer, we'd go play Team Utah for usually Mason Goodhand, and we'd travel to Vail, up to Idaho, kind of go around those tournaments. And that was a lot of fun, actually. That's where I, we got a lot of our uh, structured coaching was Mason Goodhand. You know, he – the fundamentals, I mean, still a lot of things I coach today or do today. It, he was so great as – we got so many fundamentals from him at a young age. And that's what I think Utah lacrosse lacked for a while is there wasn't a lot of youth coaching. You know, I was like, sure, there's always been the athletes and the players and stuff, but they just never got the fundamentals as a young kid. And so that's where we'd go to get it was from Mason. You know, the, he was such a textbook, you know, just like by the book, Air, you know, obviously Air Force uh, guy. So he would give us the structure and, you know, we'd try to bring that to Highland, but he was, you know, he was really groundbreaking for that. And so Team Utah was a lot of fun. There was only one choice back then. Now there seems to be a lot of club choices. Yeah. And, and, you know, Team Utah was an invite only, you know, who are some of those guys that, that you remember are still keep in touch with from those teams? I call him Chucky. We were at a young age and had red hair and there was a couple of Chris's on the team, I'm sure. And so Mason just, oh, Chucky. And that's stuck with me forever. Still, you know, great friend. Go to when his wedding, still keeping great contact with him. And obviously Andrew Olson, a lot of the, the Highland guys, of course, that was kind of easy. There was actually a, a player who would, his family would drive down from Idaho. He was the best player kind of in Boise. And they'd come down, like, he'd, he'd played winter league with us up at the U. There used to be Friday nights up at the indoor bubble. His family would drive down the five or so hours just out of him play here. It was, I remember being like, that is some dedication. Eric, and he went on to play Division Three, Denison. But, you know, just random guys like that. Paul Miska, geez, that's a name I've thought of for a while. <laughs> I haven't thought about some of those. But we, my senior year at Vail, we beat Team New Jersey. I think we finished fourth. I mean, was, we did pretty well, you know, eventually. So it was uh, – a lot of fun doing that. Oh, Mike Calvert. Geez, Mike Calvert, that little that little ball of muscle is down at him. He's better now than he ever. I mean, not that he was ever terrible or anything, but he was a good player. And now all of a sudden he's like, Are you gonna go try for the PLL? You you're peaking at the wrong time, Mike. He certainly is uh probably better now than he ever has been, which is incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. If his eyesight wasn't failing him, he'd be he'd be phenomenal. Yeah. We can't wear those glasses under a helmet and be taken seriously. 
And and Chucky was of course the goalie at Alta who went yeah. on to play Brighton Brighton and Alta, and then he did a year to BYU and then to New York Tech where he won the Division Two championship, which I was got to be able to go out there and watch that at Foxborough. That was a fun weekend, and yeah, he's a great player. I don't think he's touched a stick. Sal, he played a little summer league with the Clans, but yeah, he's kind of he just had a child, so he's moved on to better you know, greener pastures. Sure. What what you know after high school? What you know you you went to Herkimer Community College. Yeah, it's a junior college. I was actually, I, my senior year, I, I, there was a little tryout in the Idaho, Utah kind of area. There was a Team U19 uh, national tryout at UMBC when I was selected to go out there. So I went out in the summer. I wasn't, I didn't know where I was going to go or play after, you know, because there wasn't big recruiting tournaments, at least that I knew of or in this area back then. I went out so a week in UMBC on campus and I actually, a week ago, talked to my old roommate. It was Oliver Bacon. He ended up playing at Towson. And you know, Tim McDermott's girlfriend went to college with him. So you know, it was one of those like small world things. She's like, I know Oliver Bacon, you know, knew some thousand kids. Like that was my roommate for a week. And so I went out there and it was great. It was like three, three days. You play games in the morning, eat games in the middle, games at night. And, you know, it was the who's who's ever my across the neighbors were Danowski and Panarelli and all that, these guys. And they're all, and now the program just says Duke, Syracuse, Virginia, wherever they're all, where they're all going. And then, Walker Bateman, like undecided or uncommitted, you know, whatever it was, basically, <laughs> why is he here? And there's a coach there and he's like, you should you know, go to junior college or whatever, you know? And I was like, I've never even thought about that. And he's like, oh, you know, Herkimer just lost the year before in overtime, but told me how Herkimer, I've never heard of it. And I didn't have wonderful grades coming out of college so or high school. So it worked out. I went on a visit there and met coach Wareham. And it was, I was like, yeah, absolutely. He was, is, and was, and still one of the best coaches I've ever been around. He was in the Hall of Fame back then, I mean, already, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame before the Tyrannies and the, you know, the Descos and all that. So he, just an unbelievable coach and, you know, just so great. My family went out there and I was, I was like, yeah, it's kind of a long way from home, but I was like, let's, let's kind of take a chance. And I went out to Herkimer not knowing what to expect. And it was, they were phenomenal lacrosse. It's one of those, it's a small town upstate New York, New York, where the soccer team and lacrosse team pretty much, there's a reason the school's there. You know, they they bring players from all over. I think probably the furthest player West to ever go there. Cause there's a lot of the guys from the upstate, the long islands and kind of Canada would go there. And they were all phenomenal. You know, should be going division one, two or three or whatever, but they just couldn't get their grades. You know, they, we were all kind of, kind of, we we're all a collective group of, of idiots. So there's great lacrosse there. So went there and my freshman year, we won the national championship down in Essex and just had you know, time of our lives. And, and sophomore year went back and we lost in overtime and I was actually guarding the guy who shot the winning goal and you know it ricocheted off someone's shin and went in but still I there's a picture in the U.S. lacrosse magazine of me down on my knee probably in tears again you know after the loss and I didn't frame that one that was one they let go of so yeah Herkimer was unbelievable and it's still most of my you know close friends or guys I went to school with there uh Marshall K can't he was now living here he's uh Orchard Park guy from up in Buffalo or Buffalo. I always say Rochester and get corrected, but and he he was on those teams and came back and moved here and still a lot of guys I talked to. It was that was one of the closest groups I've ever been with, you know, just all very similar, probably because we all, you know, fell asleep during the ACTs or something, but we were just so similar, had just a bond. I mean, we would have ran through a wall for each other. That was that was awesome. And then while I was there, I you because that's basically a stepping stone for people, you know. My my roommate went on to Syracuse and they won the national championship the year after and the you know, guys across the hall limestone and he set the D2 scoring record and all that. so they all kind of went on 
three better things. That's what the plan was. And so you went on your five visits. And so I went on my five visits during that year. And it was right when like a Robert Morris and Bellarmine and maybe one other school, some brand new division one schools were popping up. So they were heavy on Juco kids. Cause they're like, you know, you're gonna start a program. You don't want all freshmen. So they were, you know, I flew down to Bellarmine and they were, they were really trying to go after us and really like Bellarmine. Actually coach Jack McGetrick was there. He passed away later. The hall of fame kind of guy. Love that. And I, you know, when I was thinking about those, you know, brand new D1 schools, but at Highland, you know, we would usually go undefeated and lose or whatever, but didn't lose a lot. You know, four years, a couple losses a year. And then, you know, Herkimer 18 and all my freshman year and then undefeated and lost in overtime my sophomore year. And I was like, I don't know if I can go to a school and go 0 and 12. You know, I, you know, winning isn't everything, but it sure is a lot better. So I kind of waffled on those schools. You know, they were really going after us hard, really giving us good packages. And then I went to Lemoyne on a visit. I loved the team, loved the players, and coach wasn't a great fit. And which is really hard. My coach at Herkimer was, just, like I said, the Hall of Fame legend. So he set the bar so high, so high that it was really hard almost for a lot of players at Herkimer to play at the next level when you're like, wait, you know, we got a legendary guy who's such a man and, you know, just like turned you from men to boys, boys to men, like the group. So yeah, I kind of went to Salisbury on a recruiting visit, really liked that. But, you know, Division Three, you know, I'm seeing all my friends go get, you know, scholarship money and all this, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I don't, you know, Salisbury, I kind of waffled on that, which, you know, I regret I should have kind of there, kind of just panicked on all of them, one of my five visits. And then I, may, you know, did something that maybe changed my lacrosse path for a while, but. I, I would, in, when I come home for school, coach lamb was one of my team Utah coaches at the time, you know, so we kind of relationship there and he'd invite me down to go play when I, when I was in town, I'd go play pickup down there or whatever. And I went down there and kind of play. And, and then he was kind of stay, stayed in contact with me. And after we lost, I still didn't decide where I was going to go. My, after my sophomore year, all my friends are transferring these great fun schools and on to bigger rare things. And I, just like, well, I'll, I'll go. He was kind of like, Hey, come to BYU. We'll, you know, and I was like, Oh, I want to go get you know, a scholarship. He said, well, you get a scholarship and they have, you know, they had donors. And so it was you know, a scholarship, but it was just someone's dad that owned black and Decker given, you know, handing some money for it. So I was like, well, okay, I'll go, I'll go there for a year. And they had just signed an STX deal and they were, the school was letting them use. I mean, it was treated like a division one program, a weightlifting program, real bit, you know, using all the fields, all the space. And, so I was like, well, I'll go there for a year because back then you could go, you could play a year at club and it didn't count as anything. It was almost a red shirt. Uh, a couple of my buddies, Matt Marr, Maddie Mayer, and Kyle Fyatt all did it fr- front loaded. So they did it at the beginning, played Utah, University of Utah or Utah State for Kyle, and then went to Towson and NDNU and got four years. So I was like, well, I'll go there, take a year, play, play for the school and then go back out somewhere. And I didn't really take into accord, you know, growing up underneath Rice Stadium, right in that area. I grew up giant Utah, University of Utah fan, dad, going to the university, all that. I mean, I grew up kind of having grudges with any BYU fan growing up and you know, on the playgrounds and stuff. So I went there and it was a real struggle. Love Coach Lamb. He's an awesome guy. And we still see him quite often and talk at tournaments. And it's great. It was um, – Coming from Herkimer, where I mean, coaches breaking clipboards over his head. We're going to war with each other. I mean, we're to BYU, where there's a lot of guys that were kind of like, that's fun, kind of whatever. You know, it was very much of a hobby. I was like, and then being at BYU, it just kind of sucked the fun out of it. And I remember Coach Lamb about mid-season took me to his office and was like, you know, I still think you, you know, bleed red. And I was like, well, (laughs) we all bleed red, Coach. But I was like, I get what you mean. I was just, I couldn't buy into the BYU stuff and. I struggled. And then I actually was talking to uh, mid-season 
I talked to my coach at Herkimer and he's like, you're happy. I was like, not really not loving it. And he contacted the Denver's coach at the time was Jamie Monroe. So I was talking to him a lot and was all ready to go, ready to transfer. And then back to Scott Lawler, he kind of just sucked me back. He's like, no, come on, just wait a little bit, play the season. So I was like, okay. He's like, you go to DU after spring or whatever it is. And so I went through and then I went and played on, we you know lost in the tournament. We went into the tournament ranked number one, lost to a Florida state team that, you know, couldn't beat, you know, JV team, but it is what it is. And, that summer, I actually went and played on a Team USA West, which was just kind of a lot of guys from the West area. It was you know, a handful of guys from back east, some guys from Army and all that. Maddie Mayer from Towson went and played with me, and we went over to Japan for over a month, played in these Asian Pacific games. And Coach Lamb was one of the coaches there, along with John Paul from Michigan and the US, UCSB coach. And went there. It was a lot of fun. had a great time. But me and Coach Lamb butted heads a little bit over there. I think he wanted me to really always wanted me to do BYU standards of life. And it wasn't really my way of thinking. So kind of got into it over there, had, had a good time. And I came back, I was like, you know what? I'm, you know, he wanted me because I was like, I don't think I can keep faking it almost or keep doing this. So I just was like, oh, I'm kind of done. I was like, this is kind of, they ruined the fun for it, but I kind of just took the sales out for me from lacrosse. Like, ah, I'm kind of over it. Let's, let's move on. That, you know? And then I did a year at UVU, which was kind of fun. I was, Half in, half in, half out, you know, kind of show up to games only type thing. It was probably unfair, but it was those teams we were going to the the, the the tournament and like four or five guys went to summer sales. Like, and just like, well, our starting middies are just gone for the tournament. So I treated it accordingly of how everyone else treated it. And then I was like, I moved to California and chased a girl. And then I was kind of like, oh, I'm, man, I'm done playing. You know, I, I still do have a, a year of eligibility somewhere in there, I think, with all those clubs. So I'm, I'm hoping I can pull a Rich Levy and be like 40 with, you know, wife and kids and go play. So we'll see. Good. That was, yeah, that was my, my playing career. You know, I, there was like the MLL was kind of trying things out and tried out for the outlaws and the, the San Francisco dragons at the time. But it was one of those like, well, you got to move here and get paid nothing. I was like, men's league is way more fun. So that was the end of the road. What, what a story, Walker. I, I appreciate oh. that. I, there's there's bits in there that I didn't even know. And I left most of the bits out, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you had this this real nice connection with with Coach Lamb. You know, he kind of took you under his wing for a little bit there and ended up playing on that Team USA West out in Japan. What, what You moved to California, Chase a Girl. Eventually, you come back from California. What, you know, what, what was your path right, right after that? I got into coaching at East somehow. And I'd always done camps with Drew Searle, East meets West and all that. And I loved, I loved coaching. I actually started coaching. It was a couple of the great guys younger than you. I think like Adam grow and them. I coached mostly for community service for, you know, being late and sloughing classes. And so I would co I coached the seventh, eighth graders, my junior and senior year, I coached them and they'd have fall seasons back then. So I coached them. I actually loved coaching back then. And so I always done camps and all that. And I just loved being involved in the cross. So I, I don't remember how I got involved with East. Aaron Whitehead was there, who's now over the head uh, football coach at Olympus. Jaron Matheson. I just ended up there. I don't know. I was kind of like, oh, I'll come warm up the goalies. Oh, it was Matt Anderson was there. You know Matt and his family's great. And they, they were like, hey, come. And I know Matt from the East meets West camps and kind of started. I was like, I'll come around. I'll stick around here and there. And coached a year or two at East. And then that's right. Right after that, Adam Grow took over Highland stuff. So he, Steve Niederhauser was there for a little bit after Mark. And then Adam went and took it over and Adam was like, come over and coach with me. So 
then I went and did a couple of years in Highland with Adam. And that was, that was a great fun time. You know, Adam grow and my, you know, next door neighbor, him and Elliot, I got them into lacrosse kind of, and Elliot had a, you know, great, Elliot was a great player back in the day. He, and so I went and coached with him for a little bit. And then from there is where I eventually bumped to Olympus. I was working, I was at face-off lacrosse down on 21st, the Nebuchers. And this guy, Paul Dunn would come in and with the Olympus, you know, and was kind of coming around and, we, and I found, oh, he, my grandpa taught you tennis, you know, the Salt Lake world, how it goes. And you grew up in the, in the Cove and all that. And we just hit it off and became friends. And he was like, hey, you should come over and coach at Olympus. And I was like, oh. you know, Olympus was kind of a fun school. It had Teddy Farron and Big Pat and like all these guys, the Larkins. And I was kind of, you know, they had, they had the players and the athletes and stuff. And so I was like, yeah, I'll come over and coach at Olympus. And so I jumped over Olympus and we kind of just went balls to the wall. We got the youth program going and Paul and Holly Don were just unbelievable. They, we were doing everything. We had, they bought a trailer. We're selling socks at youth games and, you know, stringing sticks. And we just kind of bumped it, you know, this program up and, you know, and just for, we were there for about three years and coaching their sons and all this. And we're just growing and growing. And, and, you know, the thing that's kind of hard with, where it's club, you know, obviously now on the sanctioning, but with club, you know, you get uh, a parent group that brings you in and they're just, Oh, let's go hard. We love it. And you're just having a great time. You're growing, you're doing it. And then as three or four years go by those parent groups, kind of, they fall out, fall away a little bit and the new ones come in from below. And there's almost a power struggle with the parents and a lot of coaches get caught up in that. And, you know, it's happened to many, many programs where, you know, they want to go in a different direction and, it just, you know, so they feathers were ruffled and it was, and it was right when there was a little bit of a league split. Remember that uh, there was a year of two leagues when, you know, Park City won one and Brighton or corner Brighton won another one. It was right during that. And it was just kind of like, well, you know, the Olympus went part ways and oh, it wasn't right as corner started because then I went, I went over to Alta with Mike Isabel. Yeah, I've just been I've coached. I think I'm coached at every high school. My goal is to coach at every high school in the Valley. I'm not going to go you know, past Lehigh or North Salt Lake, but went over to Alto with Mike Isabel and had a, a program with all sophomores because anyone kind of older went to corner. Had a tough year the first year. I don't know if we won a game and then eventually grew with the, those guys and turned that into, I think like four or five of them were living at Mike's house across the street from Alta. Had a great time there. And that's when we started really getting heavy into, well, actually before that Olympus, we're doing Blackhawks and the club stuff was just awesome. I love club lacrosse. You get just kids from every school and so many different personalities and not only so you just meet so many fun parents, friends, cousins, the kids, all that. And, you're, and then you're in, you know, San Diego. And so, yeah, you're playing tournaments. And then after you're at the beach or, you know, you're on a road trip down to Vegas. So the club scene, I've stayed in that forever with Blackhawks and then Utah LC and prime. And, you know, now it's on the summit and, and all that. So loved that. And eventually was at Alta and then, did a couple of, did a couple of years at, at Brighton with Garrett Shafra, who was just, you know, the Mount Rushmore for me. He's awesome. Love Garrett, great coach. And then I kind of, after when, as soon as it started going sanctioned, I kind of saw the power struggle of who's in charge and you know, the school coming over and the parent board at Brighton had a phenomenal parent board, very organized. And, and then as the school and them kind of had a power struggle, I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to step away from high school across for a little bit. I, you know, I was like, hey, just stick to club till they get that work out the power struggle or you know i think it's it's overall a great thing to be sanctioned it might be two steps forward one step back and it'll continue to grow but overall it's going to be a phenomenal thing but I'm, you know i'm coaching at summit and i'm like and then obviously really bad timing with the the pandemic coming out with covid 
first season of sanctioned lacrosse and that happens, you know, right as University of Utah's, they're starting their division one. I was like, God, could you have worse timing? And I try to step away from it. And then I'm at summit practice, uh, at Sunnyside. I'm walking over to, I coached the 2024 class and coach Ika and Broska are sitting in a car and I just hollered across the parking lot. What size coaching gear do you want? I was like, you know, I'm a large or well, I'm trying to be a large. Oh, I'm, I'm almost there. And they're like, all right, sounds good. And I, I was like, I don't know how serious you guys are. I'm kind of half serious. And yeah, I got a game today at Corner Canyon. So I, I got uh, roped back into it. Every time I try to get away, they just pull me back in. So I'm still still sticking with coaching and still loving it. I mean, the pros outweigh the cons by far. Sure. So so which goalie coach are you at Corner Canyon? I'm the third goalie coach. And the JVs, yeah, I'm actually just stringing sticks. I don't even, yeah. I'm the goalie only stringing sticks coach. Okay. Makes sense. Great, yeah. Yeah, they love it. One day you'll work up to the third face-off coach. I, I hope so. I mean, there's more coaches there. And half the time the coaches are just talking, powwowing. I'm like, eight coaches over there talking to each other, and there's 60 kids over there. Let's, let's, let's get in there. It, it's an incredible sight to see, and, and I, I make fun just because I love it because it's so interesting. Oh, to you me. have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't joke about it. You don't know how real it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, awesome. lot, lots to unpack there. What, what's, uh, what's been your favorite lacrosse memory? You know, I, I'd always think like, oh, winning the national championship, winning this game or this, you know, it's usually almost all just like the off the field stuff. It's bus rides that break down and there's an impromptu and you're stuck on for four hours. There's a dance party that starts, you know, dance competition starts or, you know, the, the trips and like the hotel stays. I don't remember the score from most games, you know, or, even just coaching and like and traveling and being on buses where kids are messing with each other on, you know, when they fall asleep. And so just things like that. And it's like, so I don't think it like lacrosse to me is more like going to Japan. I mean, I'm, I'm playing in Japan on, you know, on this Island, you know, that they've built for built for sports and things like that are experiences and people I've met are my favorite memory. I don't think there's one, you know, game. It wasn't usually on the field. It was, you know, or that's how it's more of, the, I mean, I'm play, I've been to States because of it, you know, you're playing in places I've never been to and you're driving to Pennsylvania and a four way stop. And there's a, a buggy, you know, an Amish person going across. The, I've never seen that. I was like, the Amish, are real? I thought that was just in the bowling movie. So <laughs> things like that. That was my favorite memories. People you've met along the way. I mean, Vale, there's so many stories that are on probably untalkable on here on, or unmentionable on here with some of the things that happened in Vale growing up with the team. I actually kissed a girl in the hot tub there. We'll just leave it at that. And it, my senior year in Vail, and then I ran into her at a UMBC tournament when I was trying out for UMBC. I saw her. Oh, we're seeing you again. And then two, a year later, we were playing in Essex, and she was in the, actually a player passed away on the field at this game. So we were there, and we were kind of walking out, like, oh, weird, crazy thing, you know, died on the field, like, out by the penalty box. She's running off and passed away. And we were walking out, just kind of like in shock. And I look up and she's there again. I'm like, so, see, once a year, you know, for a while. So like, things like that, they're like weird memories that I remember almost more than games per se. So in a long-winded way of saying it, not game, the people you yeah. made in the fun times. Sure. And, and you know, I, I feel the same way about myself. My my only real memories of playing in, in Thailand, like I said at the beginning, I was I was not good at lacrosse. You know, <laughs> I, I was there for social aspects. Um, no one's ever good in the beginning. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But, but your dad, I, I will vividly always remember this. Your dad, Brent, was the uh, parent rep. And yeah. it was it was the, the time we got jerseys. Now, to be clear about jerseys in those days, kids, 
<laughs> you got one jersey. Absolutely. Yeah. There were no practice jerseys. There was no home and away. We got a black, straight black jersey that said Highland across the chest with a number on it. That was yeah. it. And black, black shorts. Yeah. My senior year, we got white shorts as well. We had two pairs of oh, shorts. Oh, actually, yeah, that's right. My, yeah, we did get white shorts. I think my senior year, finally got you. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, your dad says, Tim, what number do you want? I said 23. I was, I was born on April 23rd. This is <laughs> yeah. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I want 23. Right. He goes, he picks up the next jersey line and goes, 77. That's a perfect number for you. <laughs> and he hands me the jersey and it's in my closet to believe it. Absolutely perfect. That works out. You know, you're a 77 guy. Yeah. I actually did. I, I don't know if I, did I send you the pictures I have. I came across that after Simon's passing, I found a bunch of old pictures and there was one. You're on, I mean, you're on the field. You're running around. Did I send it to you? <laughs> no, but you should. I'd oh, love to see I'll it. I'll dig it up. Yeah, I'll dig it up. You're, I mean, you're out there. I remember playing Murray. You're out there. You're, you know, you're, 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 not, you're not on the sideline. No, yeah. I, I I played. I wasn't great. That's what I meant. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, you know, you you scared people for the first, at least the first quarter. Everyone's like, "You're a big dude." <laughs> at least intimidating. And that was a hundred pounds ago, Locker. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're, you're forced to be reckoned with. I know. My, uh, yeah, my dad was heavily heavily involved. He I, I, actually my senior year, I you know I won some awards. You know, all American player of the year, all that. And then my brother was coach of the year. And my dad was man of the year. For, you know, it was like, oh, he's probably still an award because he was the commissioner eventually of the league for a couple of years. And he was just unbelievable. He, he was a, a pilot. And so he, when he was home, he had nothing but free time. So he, I mean, we're lining the field together. We're taking goals and he, he was just unbelievable. So yeah, that was our senior year. It was just Walker Bateman and Judd Bateman and Brent Bateman were kind of out there. Like, it seems a little, a little gimmicky, but <laughs> we put a lot of work into that. And then, it was just so great when I was back at Herkimer. He made it to more of my games than people who lived an hour away in Syracuse. So, you know, like how is he flying it? Well, pilot side. So he's there's not a game. I mean, there's not a game he misses. When we were playing in summer leagues, the clams, we joke and like, oh, he's our coach. You know, he just he eats it out. I think he likes it more than I do. I, that's it's almost a toss up. I I think if I had to if I had to say who's seen the most lacrosse games in Utah, it's by far your dad. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And then even with the nephews, I mean, going, I mean, he comes when I'm coaching my dad, yeah. you don't really have to come watch me coach. I don't do my, you know, like, no, I don't want to be there. So he loves it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. What's not to love. What if you had to pick your top five players to ever, ever play in Utah, who, who would you go with? Who's ever play in Utah? I mean, do that, that Garrett Hawes boy down there. I mean, just, just from fresh in my mind, after some of his yeah. scoring attempts, it's pretty, pretty shocking. You know, I, I think you, you can't leave, you know, above a fairman off the list. He, I, I, if I could lump the fairmans in one person, that would be <laughs> my, you know, that we can just call them one person, the fairmans. They're them. Jeez, I, that is a tough question. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to forget someone and, and Jeff Brosco is going to be like, oh, really? You left out so-and-so? <laughs> these are, I mean, maybe these are just guys I've coached recently. Bubba and Josh Stout, I think, phenomenal players. Um, trying to think, I uh, want to have all offensive players. I mean, typically do coach offense, so that's where my mind goes. But, you know, Michael Ian Bullet, phenomenal deep holes. And, and even two uh, younger men who passed away. I remember watching him play at Juan Diego and highlights of him going behind the back in midfield with his long pole. And just be like, this is unbelievable. And you know, I always thought Mark Chogany was actually phenomenal. He, yeah, he just, and it gets a little dated back for a while. But he just had, had, would never stop. He just would go, 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 would compete and fight. And he was pretty fun to watch play. He played a year at UMBC before we're going to uh, BYU. Uh, and he was kind of ahead of his time. Uh, he was a Bingham, Bingham uh, 
prospect and he was fun to watch. Ted Farron and Elliot Grow got to be somewhere on there. And then that's, I mean, there's a couple of goalies. I mean, I think Chucky may have been biased because I played with him. And then typically any goalie that played at Juan Diego, they had a string of goalies there for a while. Oh, uh, the top five is too hard. I mean, especially with, I mean, I mean I co- you get like 60 kids a year you're coaching. Jace Thomas was unstoppable to face off X for a while. A bunch of boys up in Park City that could play. Bo, Bo Pedersen. Geez, yeah. I can't. I'll give you the top 20 one day. Maybe I should switch my question to, you know, who's your top three attack, top three mid, top three D. Top, right, right. Top I could course. do that, but yeah, yeah right. that's, that's a little easier because I'm going to load it with five <laughs> offensive players and then, sure. you know, some goalie and defender are going to be like, well, you know, <laughs> what about me? If, if you never had the chance to watch Jace Thomas at the faceoff X, it was, oh. it was a sight to see. Oh, it was almost automatic. Yeah. It was, yeah. He went even, you know, and anywhere, it wasn't just in the state, you know, they, they had this stars team. It was pretty, watched them in Sonoma play. They were pretty unstoppable. Stout brothers, Felsteads. Yeah. You know, they, they were the Rose brothers. I mean, you know, Grant Pierce. They, they, yeah, they were a fun team to watch. They were low. He was, and he was automatic almost. He was out in the front door every time. Then yeah. the injuries at Air Force kind of sidelined him, but. Yeah, that's true. He was yeah, he, some players. He's working, he's working in Bountiful. I ran into him the other day. He's working for oh, his good. auto shop. He's doing well. Oh, Dad's a great dude, too. They start always coming to face off. Great family. I tell you, that just lacrosse is just, I, I was thinking about it, I was like, wanted to call it a, a brotherhood, but it's not. You know, I mean, it's a family because, you know, there's, I mean, Lori Holman and all these people, there's just men, women, girls, boys. I mean, it's just so, everyone is so almost similar, I'd say, you know, like you get together and you can tell like, you're a lacrosse person. Like, oh, yeah, you're, it's, it's awesome. I meet so many great people. I've had job opportunities because of it, because of it. you know, travel stuff. I, you know, with the Duns, I was going to Mexico with their families all through coaching lacrosse. And I was like, this is just phenomenal. Jeff Brosco, I did, barely knew him when I first met him. And he'd mentioned he had, oh, I got this condo in Park City. I was like, really? I was like, me and my friends come up? Yeah. I mean, I knew, knew him just in passing the very beginning about 11 years ago, whatever it was. Went up and just tore apart his condo. Someone went through the wall or put their head through a wall of blood on the thing and went over the next morning, like, ah, Jeff, you know, got, you know, kind of beat it up. And he's like, well, the cops didn't come, so you're cool. And I was like, oh, lacrosse people are the best. So it, it's just such an amazing community and fan everywhere. And it's, it's almost like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, you know, like, oh, do you know so and so? Who knows so and so? It's if you know one, you know them all. It's true. It's true. I, I, I definitely feel that way. I, I've had, you know, at work, I'd, I'd wave to someone at lunch or something and you go, how do you know that person? I go, oh, he, he's the Alta girls parent rep. Like, <laughs> right. And we're best friends, even though we've talked three times. Right. Like, right. Unbelievable. Yeah. The really, and they, yeah, relationships just stay forever. It's, it's, I love it. And, and that really is part of, part of the, the lacrosse community. That's why it's so special. Any, any other, any other thoughts here before we wrap up? Wow. <sighs> Man, no, I, I mean, I think lacrosse is growing in Utah, and I hope you continue to grow with it. And, like, th- this is something that's so needed. You know, we'd kind of mentioned before, like, with social media, and there's the teams are growing. Now it's sanctioned. I mean, I think the growth is going to just be nonstop. And I just hope that the things like this are able to stick around with it because, you know, it comes hand in hand. You know, you can't have growth without – I mean, just even looking on Instagram, there's you're watching highlight videos and all this, you know, information scores right there. I'm like, I, you know, you know, the scores back in the day, you had like log on and, you know, onto some website and find the Schwami and see who was picking stuff and or go to Tribal West and <laughs> see, you know, ask fish who won. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. it. It's awesome. So, yeah, 
I think I, I love the growth and it's something that's fun to see that I've been, you know, I've been a referee. I've, I've been a coach and a player. I still play, you know, men's league things. And I just hope uh, it's just fun to see how far it's gone. You know, to think we always to line our own fields and bring our own goals, have one Jersey to now, you know, teams are freaking sponsored by Under Armour. So, you know, like it's, it's awesome to see. So I just, I love it. And I, I hope that you can continue to do this kind of stuff. You're bringing, you're bringing it to the streets, bringing the people what they want. I hope so. I, I, I joked with you before. I thought maybe Utah lacrosse news was a little ahead of its time because now everyone has an Instagram account. When I was doing it back then there were Brighton. I, I'm pretty sure right. Brian was the only team that had an Instagram account. Now I don't right. think there's any that, that don't have one, right. you know, and right. you, it, it's easier to make graphics. It's easier to make the videos, all that. I, I mean, when you and I played, you watched, you watched lacrosse on TV on Memorial day weekend. Yeah, you recorded it and I would wear that. I'd wear that tape out. You know, <laughs> Quinn Kesnick was just yeah. a voice in my head that is just stuck there and I can't stand it, but. Yeah, you just watch, uh, you had it twice a year. Now it's, it's everywhere. It's yeah. Occasionally, uh, BYU TV would have some That's games, right. but they were at like 1 a.m. Because they, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they recorded the games. They wouldn't ever do them live. And so, right. you know, you'd, you'd get home and you'd look on your cable directory or whatever, and it would say BYU lacrosse, and it's like 1 a.m. And right. like, I guess I'm oh staying up to watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. With Charlie Friedman announcing probably. And, <laughs> probably. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was so funny. I mean, the – it takes a village kind of thing. I mean, all those people that have from the beginning, you know, like you just sit and name names forever and a lot of them are still around and they've just, you know, I think a lot of the people nowadays that are playing don't know what sacrifice and what it was to get it going in Utah. You know, a lot of it was just transplants here. Mason, you know, getting a job at Delta here, starting it up. And, you know, it was, it was just, uh, it just grew and grew and it's you know, hopefully continues to grow at an incredible rate. I, I asked you a couple years ago, I think, how many head coaches who played in Utah have won the the top tier title? And and I think it's still just Pat Lambert. Yeah, I could see that. Which is interesting yeah. to interesting to think about. Yeah. So and then the Lamberts were very involved in, yeah, and the Clannises. Yeah, they, there's so many of these great people have helped along the way. And you know, it's only hopefully we don't forget about them and you know, seeing where it's at now, you know, it's boom, but it's like you know, like I said, we had one jersey. It's like take it. You know, don't take it for granted. What, what, how long it took to to get where it is. You know, a lot of guys behind the scenes putting a lot of work in. I, I mean, back to the jersey thing. I saw a tweet the other day that said that the seventy-seven is the new number ninety-nine, and so I've really just, just really <laughs> had this trend forever, and I started it. That's right. They did. I can't. I can't see any other reason to dispute that. You are the original seventy-seven. Yes. And there's that Syracuse freshman who's yep. playing phenomenal. So yeah, but he owes he owes you everything. It does. It does. At <laughs> least a jersey. That's all I want. All I want is a yeah. jersey. The seventy-seven jersey behind a pin, pinned up behind you. And yeah, just for your pockets. One day you'll be doing these in a studio. I hope you know. You'll, Hopefully, you know, a little studio with your, your signed jerseys behind you. Only awesome. seventy-seven jerseys. I don't care what number you were. Yeah. It has to be a seventy-seven. Right. Right. You, yeah. You can sign under your name any number you want. That's right. Yeah. Well, well yeah, thanks for it. joining me today, Walker. I appreciate it, and uh, I'm I'm sure we'll see you on the sidelines here pretty soon. Oh, absolutely. Happy to do it. I'm glad glad to be part of history in the making, right? That's right. Thanks again. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Dan.